Welcome to a new episode of Esports Boom, your weekly esports business podcast. My name is Maurice Eisenman. And uh, if you've read the title of the podcast, you, you will know that uh, uh, this, this episode is a little different. We're doing a, a bonus podcast. Uh, we got two regular uh, podcasts scheduled um, for next week. One is supposed to come out on Monday if things go well, and the other one on Friday. And they feature some amazing guests. But especially with the tickets tournament just having ended. And for those of you who know, that's about NBA 2K. Uh, I figured it would be cool to kind of have a deep dive into someone who's very much involved in uh, the NBA 2K world. Uh, so I'm, I'm proud to be joined uh, by Jeff Eisenman, who's the senior editor at The Post Game. Um, and most importantly for us, he's an analyst and host of... Uh, the NBA 2K League, and the NBA Twitch channel. Jeff, how are you? I'm great. I, um, I'm just glad. I, I feel like that intro you know, brings up a lot of points that there, there is a sports video game angle to this, not necessarily traditional esports. Exactly. If there's, if there's you know, we're, we have traditional esports now. That's a, world, a word, right? Previously, it was just traditional sports and esports, but now we even have traditional esports, and then we have uh, sports simulation games. But very, very happy to have you on. So uh, you, you can you you were at the ticket, right? Uh, how how was that experience? Yeah, it was. Uh, so it was the third tournament of the season, second mid-season tournament, um, and I, I felt like a different energy in there for I think two reasons. One, the league has grown so much now over its uh, roughly 10, 11 weeks of actual competition, and on top of that, uh, Nick's Gaming, the New York team showed up and uh, won the tournament as the 15 seed out of 17 teams. And it, it just got, there was a certain energy in the building. There's a certain, I think people paying attention. I think the league has obviously done a better uh, job marketing itself and its broadcasts as things have gone along. The actual experience of watching is better. And it was just a, it was more electric. And I think the underdog aspect of it really got people's, perks people's interest a bit about the NBA 2K League. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll talk a lot about the NBA 2K League in a second. But before we do, how about you run our audience through a little bit of your background? Because like a few of our other guests, you really came into the esports world, specifically the sports simulation part of the esports world later on. You come from a traditional sports background. Uh, that's also the work you primarily do with the post game. So how about you walk us through what led you here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I guess I'll give you two chapters. One is that my originally, I went to Northwestern, uh, the middle school of journalism at Northwestern for journalism, started working as a, uh, as originally associate editor for the post game, had been freelancing throughout college and even the end of high school. Um, so started working full-time in New York as a full-time associate editor, really, um, you know, a sports generalist, I like to consider myself doing a bunch of different things, dipping my feet into a bunch of different pools. So, you know, when I kind of got out of college about three years ago now, a little more than three years ago, everyone said esports, esports, esports. And I think that, you know, you definitely hear this, Maurice. People just say, you say esports and people perk up, but they don't really know what's going on. And yeah. a lot of people, kind of said you should cover more esports and my answer was i i totally recognize 
how big esports is becoming and the value and everything that's going on. I just don't know if it's for me. I just don't know if I um, am, in, am interested enough, would mm -hmm. put in that sort of, you know, it's a lot of work to, if you're not into the games, to learn the games. Absolutely. Um, and so I was kind of going at that and I've always been a big sports gamer. I mean, you know, the kind of, the sort of kid that my parents didn't buy me non-sports video games. They were fine with me playing sports video games and weren't throwing anything with weapons in front of me. Um, and I was fine with Madden and NBA 2K and MVP baseball and NHL and some of those games back in the day. And then about a year ago, I guess last June, um, the post game is doing a, had a partnership with some, was doing some video content with the NBA and the do NBA three X was a now defunct three on three amateur tournament that the NBA was running. And they also were hosting amateur NBA 2K tournaments at these events. And they decided to start experimenting, trying to stream the competition on Twitch and one thing led to another and someone from the NBA was having a conversation with my boss and they were like, we kind of are looking for a host. And my boss said, Oh, we got this guy, Jeff, let's, uh, let's test him out. And so, so I did the New York do NBA three X. I hosted that Twitch stream. And then I hosted the one in DC from that, uh, last August, we did a rookie, um, with, uh, I guess it was the rookie photo shoot was in New York city. And, it's kind of like the rookie symposium for the NBA. Those guys were at a hotel in New Jersey and I played throwback Thursday. I played N64 games with like Lonzo Ball and Donovan Mitchell and Markel Fultz before they even played an NBA game. Uh, so I kept going with that on the NBA Twitch page, really hosting a ton of content, uh, just playing video games with current former NBA players, people related to basketball. We basically just play mostly NBA 2K or NBA Playgrounds, another officially licensed NBA video game, but we just have a conversation. That definitely got me involved in Twitch and moderating a Twitch conversation, or I shouldn't say moderating, but um, asking the questions from the chat and, mm -hmm. you know, you have to come through. Twitch chat can be, uh, can be a positive or a negative place. Absolutely. Uh, it's and, both. Then, uh, <laughs> and then when the NBA 2K League came around, you know, I, I started to kind of, look at it and say, is there a place to cover things here? What's going on? Um, I had a conversation with the, I actually, well, I interviewed a couple of the players about a month before the draft. And I just noticed that there was a community there that really wanted, that knew these guys who had been amateurs for a while, who were interested in them. And the stories were drawing an interest. And I talked to some of them, the folks at the NBA Twitch channel and they actually asked me to come. You know, there is a fine line between the NBA and the NBA 2K League. Um, you know, they are trying not to do as much crossover as you might mm -hmm. imagine for sponsorship purposes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but so I did, I did uh, some social media interviews for the NBA 2K League on draft day. And from there, I... Uh, moved on to kind of we were testing some social media stuff for the league and basically throughout the season I've been um you know we say analyst but basically I've been the social media reporter for the NBA 2K league yeah and and, and that's really awesome because you know the past you know few years uh you've really made a a mark for yourself on social um and I think that's really one of your one of your strengths is that you kind of understand um the broader conversation on social and you're able to find points 
that go beyond the NBA 2K League. So the content that you, uh, you know, release is really interesting because it's especially engaging if you follow the NBA 2K League. But a lot of times, and particularly with your 102 pod, and we'll talk about that later, a lot of those stories, um, they go beyond what happened this week in the NBA 2K League. And a lot of it is getting to know the players, getting to know the staff, and getting to know that wonderful journey uh, they have been on. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's amazing to see because I, I remember uh, you, uh, your early NBA Twitch channel uh, stuff. And then, uh, you know, just a, a few months later, seeing you um, interviewing people at the draft and now being a, a reoccurring member on the NBA 2K League staff, that's a, a really awesome thing to see. Well, I, and I give the, the NBA and the NBA 2K League a lot of credit. I mean, with the NBA 2K League, look at, you know, something like this, they've encouraged all of their players. Uh, one of the early things they did was encourage all of their players to create Twitter accounts, you know, which is interesting because it's a way to engage with young fans. And I think that you have Twitch and you have, that's where a lot of this lives. I know just speaking with the NBA 2K League folks, you know, Instagram video does really well uh, amongst kind of what you'd imagine is a younger community of fans. Mm -hmm. But I think that Twitter, you know, has been important to uh to create a conversation that goes beyond just what is going on on friday and saturday during competition what's going on behind the scenes and what's going on during the whole week and i give these players a lot of credit for you know tweeting out what the heck they're doing when they're at practice when they're training when they're you know they're trash talking each other over twitter and it's created a really cool sort of um community that, th that there was already there for this league, but I think that, you know, and for me, I kind of mentioned that I I wasn't necessarily on the NBA 2K League Pro-Am circuit, and I don't try to hide that and act mm -hmm. like I know all this stuff. Um, I played the game my whole life. Um, you know, that's one critique people have had of the league is that people play one-on-one. -on -one, they don't play five-on-five Pro-Am style, but, you know, it was a game that I've always been interested in. I love basketball. I love covering the NBA. I I fit sort of the younger I play the game and I know basketball, this, this is interesting and I want more people to get into it sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about the NBA 2K League uh, specifically. So when we're looking at the league, you know, it was one of the big stories, particularly in the traditional sports media, uh, the launch of the league and everything leading up to it. Um, and it was a really big bang surrounding the draft and surrounding the first date. And uh, after that, you know, traditional sports media kind of, you know, they look the other way and, and uh, you know, they, they cover it once in a while. But the big story was the actual thing that the NBA was actually going to do this. However, and I, I believe this fully, a lot of uh, people uh, have missed that the NBA 2K League is growing. Um, viewership is, is reaching about 20,000 concurrents, um, you know, on a, on a regular basis now and, uh, slowly but surely, uh, that number is growing. How, how are you seeing, uh, that reaction, um, you know, in, in, in the NBA 2K community and, and the broader sports community, uh, with the way the league is evolving? Well, I said, I told people this at the beginning that I felt like, and I know that part of the reason the league started when it did, um, you know, there was an, 
an angle of, okay, summer will be the NBA 2K League when the NBA isn't going on. That makes perfect sense. But on top of that, the league started with about, you know, during the playoffs, during the NBA playoffs with still about five weeks left to go. And I think that part of that was to get the kinks out, to test stuff out when people's focus was still on the NBA playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was almost, in my mind, like a soft launch. And what it allowed was it allowed the league to do certain things. Like if you followed the league's, the league's content, they were, uh, the broadcasts were originally on broadcast cam, which is your traditional horizontal from, you know, the way you'd watch the NBA. And during the first mid-season tournament, um, the turn tournament, the league started testing out uh, 2K cam, you know, mm-hmm. your, your traditional vertical cam that you usually watch actually when you play the game. And that was, for example, that was a change that I think really helped the experience that got people more into it because it felt more like they were playing 2K or watching their friends play NBA 2K. And I think that that it kept fans there a little bit more. But on top of that, I think that there's been this aspect of, okay, the NBA isn't going on now. Uh, maybe you want to watch Summer League and that's great. Maybe you're, you're fine with just taking in the free agency and trade news. But if you want to watch basketball, and these are run by, um, you know, NBA teams, and if you're part of the two, you know, if you play NBA 2K, which most, I think, young NBA fans do, here's the best players in the world playing a basketball competition. And I think that that has certainly helped. I think that, you know, social media has allowed this to grow. And I think that even, you know, we'll talk about the the relationship with traditional esports or with uh, games like Fortnite. I think that Twitch in the last few months, thanks a lot to Ninja and, Mm -hmm. you know, people like Ninja and and other athletes who have taken an interest in playing video games on Twitch. I think that's engaged NBA fans with, you know, this isn't such a weird platform. This is a mainstream platform that you can make part of your consumption of media. Absolutely. And you you mentioned one thing that, that, or two things uh, that were really interested. One was the fact that, um, the league is is experimenting, and one of the things that I think is so amazing about the league is uh, Sam, uh, who you know who runs the production. Um, he really listens to feedback uh, of the community, and um, you know week to week you see small changes, um, and slowly, uh, you know Twitch chat, which is notoriously toxic sometimes, is becoming more and more <laughs> positive when it comes to the actual broadcast, because, um, you know, they come in expecting a certain broadcast and, and obviously the NBA can never please everyone, uh, but they're willing to experiment and week to week you see things change. And, and I think that's, that's really, really awesome to see. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, shout out to, so Sam Aspahani, uh, who's the director of the league and who, uh, you know, I, I could have backtracked and said he was the original guy that was running the NBA Twitch channel when he uh when i started doing stuff with him so i've known sam for over a year now and he got me started and you know i think that him and and a lot of credit to brendan donahue the managing director of the league too and a lot of credit to francis mccarthy who runs uh, the social media team over there that they basically said and, and this comes from the twitch culture you know one thing that when i got started with twitch um you know they told me just uh just uh just talk and if you screw up don't worry about it just it's an it's an ongoing 
live broadcasts that you're supposed to not really take a break on and people expect you not to necessarily be perfect. And I think they took that attitude in. Here's what we got. We want to hear what you have to say. We want you to help us shape this. And that's what people did. And, you know, that's where they've been open. You've seen the, the, the patches to the league have changed in the middle of the season. Um, it's definitely an experimental, experimental year. And I think that people do appreciate that. Like you said, I think in the Twitch chat, people feel like they're, and you're not going to please everyone, but people overall feel like their, their concerns have been listened to. Yeah, and then I I would just you know advise people to just one if you're if you're not an NBA 2K fan um, but you care at all about the esports industry which my listeners do once in a while you know once every few weeks check out the NBA 2K league broadcast because you'll see a growing product uh, and it's a really awesome and incredible thing to see. Um, but talking about experimentations, um, you took uh, really an experiment with. Uh, with your 102 pod. Um, you started a podcast. Um, and as far as I know, the only podcast, and I might be wrong, that interviews uh, NBA 2K League players, NBA uh, 2K staff um, on, on their stories and, and, and really tells them in kind of a long format. Um, what was the, uh, the genesis for that? And um, how's the reaction been mm-hmm. in the community? Yeah, it's um, and there are a couple other guys that do some podcasts. It's a, a little bit more focused on kind of explaining the X's and O's of the league. Um, I would say I'm the only one that does these podcasts in person, which I have the benefit of being based in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it was, it was um, there was when I so on, on the on draft day, I interviewed every player that was that was there. After they got drafted, they did an interview for the Twitch stream. Then they interviewed with me for social media and with Ronnie 2K or Rachel Demita for the NBA, for actual uh, 2K TV. Mm-hmm. And as I was doing these interviews, you know, I knew basically nothing about these guys. Sam sent me all of the combine results, which, by the way, are like deep analytical, um, you know, deep analytics about these players so that really didn't help me necessarily prepare for these interviews and I wasn't going to memorize everything and I didn't know what anyone looked like and I didn't know what anyone's personality was so we basically asked like the same questions you know what were you doing before the 2k league what uh what, are you ready to join this city like basically being a journalist in that listening here's the question listen to what they have to say and the the answers that I got especially to the what were you doing before you were in the NBA 2K League were incredible. Factory workers, you know, uh, delivery men, um, someone who has been featured a lot right now, Boo Painter of Wizards District Gaming, who was working for the State Department and left. A guy, Steve, who's on 76ers GC, who was a financial advisor in Beverly Hills and left his job to join the NBA 2K League. And just hearing some of these stories, the excitement that these guys had for, uh, you know, for, um, for giving their two weeks notice. And on top of that, some of them having families, being fathers, uh, you know, newlyweds and leaving their family to join this league. I was sitting there and, and thinking to myself, there are so many stories to tell. And I always tell people about the NBA 2K League. It's not like the NBA where these guys played it, started playing AAU when they were 13 years old. And since they were 13, they've been expecting to be in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys were playing NBA 2K as a fun hobby that kind of allowed them to escape 
uh, for a lot of them escape their daily lives and maybe making a few extra dollars if they really, really performed at a high level in these tournaments. And all of a sudden, they were now full-time employed by NBA teams, you know, role models to people in the community and have these backstories that are incredible that I felt like people wanted to hear. Yeah, and, and, and how has it been uh, telling those stories? Uh, it's been awesome, you know, meeting people. I, I definitely feel like, um, and, it, and I've had the benefit of, I, I'm with the players every weekend, so I, I don't, they know me, they know, you know, that I'm not like playing gotcha journalism or anything like that. I genuinely want to tell these stories. Uh, so, you know, I, I think they've liked, it, it's not like, you know, Bill Simmons gets someone on his podcast and it's great. You know, he gets Denzel Washington on his podcast. Denzel Washington is media trained. He's been doing interviews for 30 years. You know, maybe Bill will throw a fun question at him, but for the most part, he's told his story. He knows what he's going to say and yada, yada, yada. I mean, these guys, these conversations go everywhere um, and they get emotional. You know, I, I spoke to, uh, I'll tell you a guy, O'Fab, who was the number two overall pick, one of the top guys on Celtics gaming. And you know, he gave me some stories about that, you know, he was dealing with some real mental health issues before the NBA 2K League, and it's revitalized his life. And, um, you know, I think that, that there are people who listen that don't necessarily need to hear that, as in they have to join the NBA 2K League to be happy. But I think the gaming community has allowed people, you know, to find a lot of enjoyment. And for a lot of young kids, just meeting these guys and hearing their stories is enough to make them happier. Um, so it's just been incredible. And for the most part, people, especially like Brendan's a guy who every time I, I, you know, put out a podcast, when I see him, he kind of breaks it down. He's like, I love how you told this guy's story and want, you know, I wanted to know this about him. Um, and I think people are going to like hearing this about him. So there's a lot of interesting stuff that's coming from this. That, that's really awesome. And, you know, I put the, I'll put the description uh, the link in the description box uh, of the podcast, and I would recommend everyone to check out the 102 pod. I don't care if you watch the NBA 2K League or not, because as you said, it's all about the stories. And um, and you're listening to amazing stories of people uh, and how a league like this gives them an opportunity uh, to to reach their full potential. Just want to move into a slightly different topic because – with your background in traditional sports, traditional sports media and journalism, you know, and, and we met, and I think you mentioned this um, either in our conversation before we started recording or, or at the beginning of the podcast, Fortnite and, and gaming has really opened up a lot of eyes for people like, oh, this is a really good way to engage with fans. And all of a sudden we see these traditional sports media entities um, tap into a gaming audience. This is a very recent development or it's been a lot more mainstream recently we saw mlb of all uh uh, sports uh sports leagues uh, have a Fortnite section uh during one of their uh, fan days uh, just a week ago Uh uh so you know being in the intersection between traditional sports and sports simulation games uh how has the reaction been over the past few months specifically since the famous Drake and Fortnite moment. Well, I think that was like the famous moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll tell you, my actual first interaction with Twitch was uh, right after I had just graduated college. It was like I want to say it was September or October of uh, 2015. I uh, with my friend Nick Petro, 
we were the two broadcasters for the Big Buck Hunter World Championships. Oh, great. Which was awesome. Um, so I, uh, I didn't know much about Twitch at the time. And, I, and what I did notice was we were on Twitch on Friday night and Saturday. Um, I was amazed by the numbers, by the people tuning in. I mean, this was in the carousel on Twitch. But like all the comments were kind of like, what is this? Because to them, to the community that was on Twitch, that was not normal, normal Twitch content. Um, you know, at the time, this was three years ago. I mean, it was still like League of Legends was owning Twitch. Recently, I, I mean, I think that the Drake thing really brought Twitch mainstream. And I think that Ninja had his his niche of, you know, people who'd been on Twitch and liked him and now were loving Fortnite. And it brought in a whole new audience who was playing Fortnite and was like, and obviously not just Drake, you know, other people, whether it was, uh, I don't even know if it was on Twitch, but there was that. For NBA fans, there was that Carl Anthony Towns playing, uh, what was he playing, uh, PUBG with Ben Simmons, I think. And ben, like he was like, I got to go to bed. And Ben Simmons was like, who are you playing tomorrow? And I forgot what team. He said like the Magic or something. And he was like, you can stay up. And yeah. that was like a fun moment for the NBA. Um, just that people have realized that it's, uh, I'm going to say this, like it's not as nerdy as they thought. Um, it's cool that these guys are doing this. It's cool that you know, you don't have to watch Ninja for an hour. You can watch for 10 minutes and just see what's up, you know, as you're walking on your phone or in between your day. And I think from the sports perspective, it's just brought, um, you know, another way to interact with fans and kind of here's an athlete, here's Josh Hart outside of his normal life as a, uh, you know, summer league MVP and part of the Los Angeles Lakers. He's just playing Fortnite with this player or something like that. And, Kevin Knox, who was the Knicks, the Knicks recent draft pick, who, um, who you know had a strong summer league and now is popular in New York. All of a sudden, he played the Ninja the other day. It's like a rite of passage now for these guys. And I know I was on July fourth. I was at a barbecue with friends, and they were asking me like, I like I've clicked on links from Ninja. I don't really get Twitch. Like, what is it? Can you explain it to me? And like, we were just hanging out, and I'm showing people Twitch, and some people know ninja or nba 2k league or other channels i'm showing them and others are like amazed that there's this that exists and what really shocks them is the chat they're like oh that's why it's different you know you can talk to people via text right there in the present yeah and uh, i think the the nba really exemplifies a uh, sports league um that's trying to take that has taken these risks from from for a long time uh, they've had a twitch channel for a while uh, as you mentioned, uh, but it's really awesome to see uh, other sports entities and just a general kind of media world catch up. Um, you know, they still have a lot of lessons to learn, uh, but that's why uh, we both do what we do. And, and, and hopefully we can, you know, we can help, um, we can help lead them to, to, uh, to do the right things. So before we, um, before we finish our conversation, it would be a shame uh, if we don't tap a little bit about into your knowledge of content creation, um, uh, sports media and marketing. So as someone who's really made a name for himself as a, as a, both a specialist and a generalist, a generalist in a sense that one day you can do a Twitch stream. The other day you can write an article on the NBA draft, but also a specialist in the sense that most people that work with you, you know, or, or hire you, hire you because 
you understand the, the digital world. And, uh, and we have quite a lot of uh, listeners um, that are either uh, content creators themselves uh, or more importantly, marketing execs at both traditional sports and esports organizations. So if you could give them a, f- a few tips um, or best practices that you have seen in, 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 in your career, uh, what would those be? Well, I think that, and you talk about social media, I think that people, and, and the sports media world is coming around to it, you have to accept that you're not going to fool people into clicking on links and watching pre-roll anymore. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And, you know, I credit Bleacher Report a lot as the the model of the industry in that a few years ago, they recognized this before others. And they said, we're really going to dive hard into social and we might not make money right at this second, but we're going to cash in on this. And what they've done is, you know, now they have so many branded segments that you don't even realize the branding uh, direct to social. And I think that Instagram, especially, you see a lot of sports media outlets use, you know, they'll give you like the stat of the day or PGA Tour might give you the shot of the day and they're throwing an ad up right there. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that's that's because that's the most direct that people want. Um, I think that, you know, last night I was at a, uh, a Northwestern journalism kind of uh, just like a networking event for first year students who just graduated college. And it was a lot of the conversation was uh, they were calling it snackable content or mm-hmm. the, are the 45 second clips good. And, you know, I think there's an older demographic that fears that there's not, that's not great content and such. And I think that, you know, I, I think you can't be as lazy anymore. I think that people will watch long, good content. Um, you know, I use John Oliver as, as an example, and I'm not saying that's the best thing because it is a satire, but people will watch a 20 minute John Oliver clip because it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with sports, it's kind of the same way. If, uh, you know, someone, if Bill Simmons produces an hour long podcast, people listen to it because it's good. Um, Barstool Sports is not my cup of tea, and they've said some not nice things about me, but I'll tell you that I respect the fact that they've created segments and things that people will tune into at a constant rate, and on top of that, you know, it it wasn't that easy when it started. It wasn't like they went out and were making money right away. It was a process. Um, I think that we're going to see the bigger companies that already have the money really need to start spending in a similar way because they have the resources to compete with these sites we're talking about that are socially driven. And they're going to have to say that we need to invest in these, in this audience, if we're going to continue to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And, and it'll be, it'll be especially, you know, good to see, how these traditional uh, media companies will respond because a lot of that, what you mentioned, involves disrupting their existing business. And when you have something like um, the large business that is, you know, cable news and a cable TV and, and sports media rights in that world, it gets really and really tough as, um, as a um, Stern, the former commissioner of the NBA, said, um, by focusing on social, we're enabling our fans to watch less of the NBA, and that's fine. And that's obviously a very forward-looking statement, but 
it still seems like most traditional uh, sports media companies are afraid to, to embrace that reality. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as another conversation that I was having last night. You know, local news is going to milk out everything it can from an audience that's consumed local news a certain way. Um, and the same thing goes for newspapers and a lot of network TV. But, you know, there's a reason that, say, the NBA is passing other leagues because they bought into those short-form highlights as a way to engage. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's like you have to say to yourself, are we only making money from traffic? And I think that something like a barstool proved that they make a lot of money from gear and from, you know, grassroots events and stuff like that. Um, and I think that stuff like, like a bleacher report, a big, you know, which has essentially become the ESPN of digital media does a, a great job of creating a culture around it that you consume, you know, it might be that, 20% of the content is making 80% of the revenue and that's okay, but you still need that other 80% of content because it's all engaging everyone. And, you know, you can't necessarily rate things. And I think this has been a struggle of, um, you know, because it used to be the way you just, you just measured media was how many people are watching on TV or how many subscribers do we have to our newspaper or magazine. Now you're actually looking at it piece by piece and I think you have to understand that it's all the sum of all parts. And I think that you have to, you know, just because something might be making this amount, gaining this amount of viewers, making this amount of money one day, doesn't mean you can drop all the other stuff because, you know, that, that sort of money you're making from that one thing is directly correlated to everything else you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a, a very wise lesson to end on. Uh, so Jeff, thank you for coming on. If people want to follow you or want to follow the post game, uh, where can they do that? Yeah. If, if they dare, uh, I am at Jeff Eisenman on also all social, uh, J E F F E I S E N B A N D. Uh, the post game on Facebook or Twitter is at the post game T H E P O S T G A M E. My podcast is the 102 pod, T-H-E-102-P-O-D. That's because there were 17 teams of six players in year one of the NBA 2K League. Uh, so that's 102. A lot of people have said, well, what happens when there's not 102 next year? And my answer is, you know, it's the same way we refer to the original six in hockey. That's yes. the original 102. Um, I think that's it in terms of where to follow also. Uh, I'll just throw out uh, the NBA 2K League and NBA t Twitch channels. Follow both. They're, they're fun, and sometimes I show up on them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on. We'll put the links in the description box below. Uh, this has been a bonus episode of Esports Boom. and uh, We'll be back uh, with a regular format probably on Monday, but definitely on Friday. Uh, thank you for listening.